Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. all four of the gospel narratives, there is the statement that Jesus Christ will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I love that statement. There's so many things that the Lord Jesus does for us, so many ways in which he ministers to us. But I love that statement. And it's narrated in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. And I have spoken on this particular issue of Jesus's ministry a lot within my ministry. I appreciate all the many things Jesus does for me, and I honor him for that. I worship him for that. But if I can almost say the thing I appreciate the most is that his ministry to me is spiritual. And his ministry to me is his Holy Spirit. And his ministry to me also, a little bit more on the difficult side of things, is the ministry of fire. In a way, the Spirit to build me up. The Spirit to make me a part of his nature and kind of his kind. But Jesus is also the one that ministers fire And that fire is to burn away, to refine, to purify. So in the ministry of Christ, there is definitely the ministry of the Spirit to build and to resurrect and to give life. And there's also this aspect of fire. And today, as I minister uh, along these lines, I will be um, touching base in all four of those Gospels briefly and then move over to John's Gospel where you cannot experience any ministry of Christ in spirit or fire unless you are born from His Spirit. I hope today's message challenged you. I hope you are encouraged. And I hope you would humble and tenderize your heart and say, Jesus, do your ministry of spirit and of fire in my life today. I'm in Matthew chapter 3, in verse 11. This is John the baptizer that is speaking. He says, I baptize you in water. And it's unto repentance. In other words, my baptism, this is John saying, I dunk you in water, I dip you in water, because it is a symbol of a turned around life. In other words, you go into the water one way, and you're going to come up out of the water altogether a different way. I'm going to get you wet. And this was a Jewish custom back in the day. If you come with me to Jerusalem, you'll see all around the city of Jerusalem um, what we call ritual cleansing baths, mikvahs, we call it in Hebrew. 
And this is what the Jews actually did, is they had a staircase going down into a kind of a, a, a tub, if you will. And it had in the staircase, in, right in the middle of the staircase, there was a demarcation line. And all the pilgrims who came up to Jerusalem that were so dusty and ceremonially unclean, they went down the staircase on one side, got dunked, and came up the staircase on another side. And it demonstrated, I'm one kind of person going into the water, I'm another kind of person coming up out of the water. And this is John the baptizer's ministry. So here you can see what John did is he turned people around so that they can expect and look forward and anticipate the coming Messiah. I'm done with this life. John, baptize me so that I can look and turn and be fully anticipating the new life, the new Messiah, the new rabbi that's coming. So this is what John the Baptizer's ministry was all about. It was a ministry of preparation, a ministry of turning, a ministry of, of cutting people, breaking people, uh, repentance. This was his ministry. He says, but there's one coming after me. And this one is stronger than I. And I want you to notice that verse in your Bible. It says, this one coming after me has strength. Now, if there was anybody ever strong, I would say it's John the baptizer, who lived in the desert, wore camel skins, ate locusts and honey, hair all over the place. I can just imagine that man had leathery skin, strong. And he challenged all the religious leaders of the day, all the customs, all the traditions. He said, God is about to lay an axe to the root of your system. God is about to bring fire into your... I would say John the baptizer was a rather strong man. He even at one time challenged the king. Called him an adulterer. But then he says, somebody's coming after me. And this person is going to be strong. Now, if I compare John the baptizer, this revolutionary radical prophet, and I look at Jesus, I might say, no, Jesus is not really a strong person. In fact, he's really actually called the Lamb of God. And not a lot of strength there. And um, for some 30 years, he really did nothing. Then he did a little bit of ministry. But when he challenged the system, it, it got him crucified. And they mocked him. They said, you know, if you really are who you say you are, then show up your strength. Show your power. And uh, come down from this cross. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul would say, Jesus emptied himself of his divine power and his divine capability so that when Almighty God in the person of Christ became a human being, he lived just as normal as you and I. He wasn't better or any worse. He was just human, fully just limited as you and I are. So when John says, this man has strength, this one that's coming, 
He's not referring to the fleshly strength of the Messiah that's coming. That strength will be attached to the spirit that he's going to pour out on you. Because the physical man, Jesus the Christ, was a rather meek, gentle man. At one time he made a whip and, you know, drove out some folk out of the temple. I'd say that was strong. But by and large, if we look at the, the big scope of the man, Jesus the Christ, he was a rather meek man, a rather gentle man, a rather low-key man. And, yeah, he was crucified, and he did nothing spectacular on the cross. He just hung there and died, a weakling, so to speak. Can you follow with me? So when John speaks this word, this man who's coming after me, he will have strength. He is referring not to the physical strength of this man. He's referring to the spiritual strength that this man will have. Keep reading with me. Uh, he's coming after me. He is stronger than I, and I'm not even worthy to uh, carry this man's sandals. I want you to notice the following real carefully. He himself will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Those are marvelous, marvelous words. In a way, John is saying, all that I can do for you is get you wet. I can dunk you. I can kind of help you turn from your old ways and, and look optimistically forward to a new era and a new kind of a rabbi coming and a new kind of a messiah coming. And in a way, I get you ready for him. But then he says very cleverly here, and I love how Matthew picked up on it and actually wrote it down. He said, but that man coming after me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie or loose or tie or carry, that man himself will do a ministry in your life. And that ministry will be something that no man can give you. Only he can give you that ministry. And his ministry is to baptize you in spirit. I baptize in water, but that man will baptize you in spirit. So, the same way that you got wet in water, that man will get you soaked, drenched, filled up in spirit. And beloved, herein then is the turning of the age. We're back under the old covenant over here. When John the baptizer was ministering to all of these Old Testament folk, they all lived for God in a very legalistic way in a very regimented way, in a very scripted way. But then he said, there's a man coming after me. There's a new era coming. And he's going to do something of the Spirit of God in you. No more tradition. No more custom. No more ordinances. No more formulas. He himself is going to get you wet and drenched and soak into the Spirit of God. That Spirit that's always been. You're going to be filled with Him. He's describing to you a new life, a new rhythm, a new dynamic that's coming. And it is a life 
that the Lord himself only can give to you. And it's filling in the Spirit, clothing in the Spirit, uh, immersion in the Spirit. The way water gets you fully wet, the Spirit is going to get you fully saturated. He's going to baptize you. That is, He's going to dip you. Until now, we've been busy with ceremonies, little rituals, with actual water, and actual clothing, and actual animals. But that man who's coming, his work within you will be a spiritual work. It's a work that transcends our earthly little customs and traditions. It's, it's altogether a whole different era that you're going to live in. And all I'm doing, I'm getting you ready for that. There's a time coming when you're going to lapse into a spiritual living, spiritual dynamic. And John is basically saying, I can't give that to you. No rabbi can give that to you. The Jews can't give, the law of Moses can't give that to you. We've tried and we've tried to get you sort of living for God, but we can't. But there's one coming. Oh, he's coming. And he himself will do that. And beloved, even to this day, I can't give you the Holy Spirit. No man can give you the Holy Spirit in a way. The only one that is qualified to dip you and saturate you and soak you head to toe in every dynamic of your being in the Spirit is the one who himself is the Spirit, and it's Jesus Christ. Then he also says here, interestingly enough, he says he's going to not only baptize you in the Holy Spirit, but you will be baptized in... Say it. See, it's not even easy to say, is it? This Holy Spirit is going to burn you. He's going to come like a refiner's fire, and He's going to burn the guck out of your life and clear up the dross out of your gold. And He's going to work with you to make you gold and silver and precious stones. And the way that He will go about it is not by like having devotions with you, worship gatherings. It's not like He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit in a comfortable life. Don't misunderstand that word fire. That word fire has got nothing to do with romance. Ooh. <laughs> the word fire is not a pretty word in the Bible. It's always in, in connection with burning and purification and sanctification. There's just no other way you can spin this. That man who's coming after me is going to do a spiritual work in you, and that work will be accompanied with fire. And this is where most of us do not want to receive the ministry of Jesus Christ, who gives you the Spirit. Oh, we want the Spirit so we could, like, have fun. No, He gives you the Spirit so you could hurt, burn. He gives the Spirit to do a thorough work in your spirit, your soul, and your body, and fire to spread all throughout the entirety of your being and burning down that which is of the old creation so that the new creation can germinate. So the spirit that you and I receive from Jesus Christ, of course, love is attached to it. Beauty is attached to it. Come on. But notice carefully how the baptizer is saying it. He said the Holy Spirit and 
fire. In the book of Hebrews, it says, Our God is an all-consuming fire. And there's your problem with God. That's why most of you are wounded and hurting with God. Because God is constantly taking you through the fire to burn flesh out of you. Burn stinking thinking out of you. And all the while you're thinking like, I need the love of God. It is the love of God. You just want to sit all day under the tree, sing Kumbaya and read poetry with God? You just need to go and join some guru out there in California. <laughs> if you want to be under the ministry of Jesus Christ, that ministry is a ministry of soaking you in the Spirit. He did not say, if I can belabor this point one more time, He did not say, oh, there's a man coming after me, and he's going to teach you everything about God. You're going to get a doctorate in masters in theology. That just even sounds wrong. How can you get a master's in divinity? Like, hello? Yeah, I, I got God figured out. I got a master's in divinity. God consults me. No, he didn't say, he's going to like teach you everything. You're going to now know everything. He didn't say, oh, the one coming after me is going to roll out a red carpet in your life. He's going to be hunky-dory and everyone who belongs to him will never die. Like everyone in the first century died. Everyone got persecuted. Everyone was mocked and ridiculed. Every, but that man is coming after me. Notice, he's not going to give you a comfortable life or make it easy on you or explain everything or just pamper your flesh. He's going to do a spiritual work within you. I, I want you all to hear my burden. Yeah. It's a work that was never done. Up until that time, the Spirit of God would come down occasionally and anoint a prophet and anoint a king, occasionally a, a Samson to pull down pillars and a, you know. But when he comes, the stronger one, he will for the first time on planet earth do a deep spiritual work in his people. And that spiritual work will be accompanied with fire. Be very careful the next time God takes you through fire to shake a fist at Him because He's just answering your prayer. If you're going through the fire, you're under the ministry of the Spirit. So then it's time to like get all your friends together and say, Hey, everybody, come have a party. Let's grill out some steaks and have a blast. I'm busy being killed by God. I'm busy dying. Come and let's just have an early funeral. Mark's Gospel. Mark was uh, another writer, and uh, he learned a lot of his information of who Christ was from the Apostle Peter. And uh, I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 1, and pick up on verse 7. And he preached, this is John the Baptizer, he said, He who is stronger than I comes after me. Again, there's an emphasis on the strength of this man. The thong of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you in water, but he himself will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Matthew picked up on this saying and he included it in his gospel. 
As Peter was sitting down with Mark and explaining to him the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mark picked up on this thing. Oh, the John the baptizer, he preached the baptism in the Spirit. And so when Mark writes down his gospel, he's like, oh, I'm going to include that line. Well, what about Luke? Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 3. So Luke, as an investigative reporter, he... Uh, interviewed a lot of witnesses and got the grand scope of the story of this man from Nazareth. And as he's hearing all these uh, testimonies and all of these stories, he comes across this saying also, this prophetic utterance by John the baptizer. So Luke decided to write it down in his gospel too. I'm in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered and he said, I baptize you in water, but he who is stronger than I is coming, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He himself will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in? Mark committed that. But Luke said, no, 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 this is the way the Baptist spoke it, so we're going to just include it as it is. And there it is. I find it interesting that Matthew pins it. Mark pins it. And then Luke, as he gathers information, he's like, yeah, I'm going to include that prophetic word. John's ministry is a ministry of water and repentance and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an expectation and anticipation. But uh, Lord Jesus' ministry is going to be a spirit ministry accompanied with fire. And Luke said, I'm going to write that down. Well, what about John? Huh, let's go there. Thank you for asking. John is also a gospel. It's a portrayal, uh, kind of a narrative, a biography, if you will, uh, on the life of the Lord Jesus. And, of course, he was a follower, a young man when he was with the Lord. And so John himself, at the end of his gospel, said the following. He said... If I were to write down for you everything that this man said and everything that this man did, I suppose that not all the books of the world would be able to contain that information. Y'all remember that? So John had a lot he could have included in his gospel. And he said, the books of the world cannot even begin to narrate for us all that this man said and all that he did. And so what John writes down is very selective. It's very particular. It's very strategic. And I believe inspired of the Holy Spirit. So John, he writes down here in verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him. This is John the baptizer saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, A man is coming after me who has become ahead of me because he was before me. I didn't know him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, for this reason I came baptizing in water. Aha! There's another explanation as to why John the baptizer baptized in water. Because the Father said to him that 
As you baptize people, sooner or later a person's going to come upon whom the Holy Spirit will descend. Then you will know that's the Messiah. So even though John the baptizer was the cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't know Jesus in the flesh. So God spoke to him and said, John, I want you to go out there in the desert to the Jordan River and baptize people for repentance, get their life right, get their hearts looking forward. And as you're doing it, sooner or later, my man's going to come and the Spirit will descend upon him. And then you'll know, ah, this is the Messiah. Is everybody with me? So obviously John the baptizer did that. So uh, verse 32, John testified, I beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of the heavens, and it made an abode upon him. It settled upon him. It, it rested and remained upon him. And he said in verse 33, I don't know who this Christ was, this Messiah, but he who sent me to baptize in water, he said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and abiding, this is the person who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have testified that this is indeed the Son of God. Welcome to my introduction on Spirit-Filled Living. It's the theme of our time together, where you cannot just say, I'm saved, I've got my ticket to heaven. The question before the house, does Jesus Christ have a ministry in your life? And initially, I want to ask you, based upon the testimony of four gospel writers who all thought this sentence needs to be included in this biography of this man. They all thought to include that this man will have a ministry of spirit and fire. So my question then before all of us, does Jesus have a spirit ministry in your life or does he have an entertaining ministry in your life? Does Jesus have a spirit, that is, heavenly ministry in your life? Or is Jesus' ministry in your life only the comfort of your flesh? The explanation of your inquiries? Does Jesus today minister the Spirit to you? Which is, by the way, His own Spirit, His own breath. Is He constantly ministering as a high priest who's supposed to minister is He ministering spirit realities to you? Or are you under the ministry of lackadaisical, loosey-goosey? Are you on the ministry of being pampered? Are you on the ministry of being convinced and persuaded and impressed and, oh Jesus, wow me, show off a bit? None of that is included in this prophetic word. There's one coming and His ministry... His priestly service to His children will be the ministry of Spirit. 
In the Old Testament, the priest had the ministry of baking bread, and another priest had the ministry of oil and candle wick trimming, and another priest had the ministry of incense, and another priest had the ministry of the the sacrificial animal and the cleansing water, and they all had different ministries. And another priest, the great high priest, he had the ministry of going into the Holy of Holies and taking some blood and dripping it on. Everybody had a ministry. This man's ministry is none of that. Although all of it was prophetic, the ministry that He gives to you today is the ministry of the Spirit. And in the all-inclusive Spirit is all of the work of the accomplishments of the Lamb of God. But you want explanation. You want entertainment. Yet He has a Spirit ministry for you. John chapter 3, if you will, please. There was a man, Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. And he came by night to the Lord and he said to him, Rabbi, I know that you've come from God as a teacher. For uh, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Obviously, you're anointed. You're doing all these signs and wonders. You've got these great marvelous sayings. So obviously you're a God man. You're a prophet or something. And he's appealing to Jesus. Listen carefully. He's appealing to Jesus based on two things that he saw. Number one, this man can teach. He knows something perhaps that me, Nicodemus, don't know. So maybe if I approach him and we conversate a bit, I can learn something. So he appeals to Jesus' teaching rabbinic nature. Is everybody with me? The second thing that he appeals to that he's attracted to in a way is that this man performs signs and wonders. And he's really impressed with the sign and wonder. So it's based on that observation that he wants to enter into fellowship with Jesus. Can you follow with me? Let's fellowship around teaching because obviously you're a rabbi. Let's fellowship around the miraculous because obviously God is with you. Otherwise, you can't do these things. Everybody with me? So listen carefully to me. His motivation is to engage Jesus on an intellectual level because that was the Jewish culture is to figure things out. Everybody with me? But he's also motivated to engage the same Lord based upon this Miraculous. So he wants to go to miracle school. Can you be my rabbi and teach me how to do these miracles? I want to tell you, everybody in the first century wanted to perform miracles. They wanted to do signs and wonders. We even know such a man by the name of Simon who thought that he could buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was so attracted to the Holy Spirit, seeing what Philip did, and he thought, wow, if I can just buy, pay you money for this gift. People loved it back in that day. Nicodemus is no different. From Nicodemus' perspective, I'm engaging this man based upon wisdom, teaching, knowledge, and the miraculous. And Jesus will not meet this man according to that need. Jesus will bypass an intellectual discussion with the man, and he will bypass a course on miracles. And he will cut to the chase. 
and entirely come from a different perspective that just Nicodemus never saw it coming. Verse 3, Jesus speaks to him, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's wanting to engage Jesus from the frontal lobe. He probably wants to figure out what can I do to also have miracles. You know, the disciples even asked Jesus, like, why don't the demons get cast out? It's like everybody wanted to know the secret to deliverance and the miracles, and Jesus would not have that conversation. He just won't. He says, oh, Nick, you need another birth. Huh? What? Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can you see Jesus bypassed his intellect? You all with me? He stomps the man. He's not explaining anything to him, except he's explaining the divine way, not man's perceived way. Is everybody with me? So Nicodemus, he gets all intellectual. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into... His mother's womb and be born again? Uh, like, uh, hello, explain. Verse 5, Jesus said to him, I say to you, unless you are born of water and of spirit, unless you are born of water and of spirit, you cannot. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to circle that word cannot. And I want to ask this question before the house. Is there any Bible in here that has a different word for the word cannot? What does your Bible say there? It cannot, thank you. What does your Bible say? Cannot. cannot. What, anybody, any, what does your Bible say? Cannot. You cannot. Anybody, what does your Bible say? Thank you, okay. Uh, what does your Bible say? Is everybody's Bible, does it, do you have that word in there? You cannot. That word there, everybody look at me. You're not looking at me. This is a very difficult word to explain. When it says you cannot hear me, what it really means is that you can not. You, you, let me say it in better terms. You cannot. In other words, you have an inability. You are stunted. You are stopped. You are hindered. You, you cannot enter in to the reign and the rule and the authority and the dynamic and the rhythm and the reality of the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God. So Jesus says two things here. Let me write it down for you on the screen. He says, unless you are born through water, and unless you are, there's a condition here. If you don't meet these conditions of water and of spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here then, I think we see a little something of Jesus reading the heart of Nicodemus. I submit to you, Nicodemus wanted to be a part of God's move on the earth. 
I submit to you, Nicodemus was fed up with Judaism. We know that eventually he became a believer and he was a follower after Jesus. I think he came to Jesus in the middle of the night because he knew there was something beyond where he was. And he saw this man and he heard this man. He's like, hmm, maybe this man is the way to that, that new reality. That maybe this man, I can and glean from him something. And I think when Jesus says to him, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God, I think right there the heart of Nicodemus just leaped. Oh, I want to be a part of that. I want to be under God's leadership, God's headship, God's rule, God's reign. And I think Nicodemus was just aching in his bosom to be a part of something spiritual, relevant, more than just the pomp and possess and formalism of Judaism that he was sort of... Uh, living in. And Jesus says the following to him. He says, you have to be born through water and you have to be born through spirit. I don't want to expound too much on that. You have to come to the school for deeper training on these things. But can I just throw this out to you real briefly? When Jesus says you must be born of water, we believe with conviction that he's referring to the ministry of John the Baptist. Because John the Baptizer's ministry was a water ministry. He says, you must be born of water. And you must be born of spirit. Now, spirit is Christ's ministry. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Beloved... Can I uh, teach you a little geography? If you look here at the screen, you'll see that down here is the Jordan River. And then the hills climb up to an area called Judea. And here is the city of Jerusalem. Can you see it? And there's all the beauty surrounding the city of Jerusalem. John the Baptizer was actually a Levitical priest. John the Baptizer was supposed to minister in the temple where the priests had the best wardrobe. The priests had the best food. And all day long they had water that they would pour into little um, mikvahs they had ceremonies, they had candles, they had trumpets, they had prayers, they had books. This is where John the baptizer was supposed to minister as a Levitical priest. Can you follow with me? But God said to this man, ah, I want you to go down to this Jordan River. Actually, let's go make it quickly a river. Hey, love this thing. There's the river. Can you all follow with me? Here's the river. So John the baptizer lived all of his ministry career on the backside of the desert as a new kind of priest, introducing a new era on planet Earth. He was a voice crying in the wilderness, not a man or a priest here in the temple with a prayer book. And he was crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. 
repent, turn, prepare. And he was crying out and folk came down here and here, here's the people. Okay, here they are with their ears. Okay, you can see obviously the ears there. They heard this crazy man. Here's the crazy man. There he is. Long hair. He's got some camel clothes on him. So anyway, there's John the baptizer. <laughs> so that they would hear this man. Prepare the way of the Lord. And they were like, oh, what a loony tune. What a loony tune. But folks' hearts were somehow cut deep within the core of their being when they heard the ministry of this man. And if you wanted to be a part of his ministry of water, listen carefully. You had to leave Jerusalem and take a day and a half hike into the most bottom place on planet Earth where the Dead Sea is. The Jordan River runs in and Elam uh, uh, where he um, was ministering in the springs of Anon, it was at the lowest place on planet Earth. There he does his ministry. You had to leave this high place, this controlled environment, the pomp, the possess, the trumpet, the show, the entertainment, the feasts, the hoopla. And you had to basically say to yourself, this is not cutting the mustard. Maybe I need to go listen to this crazy man down in the desert. So you had to take faith and courage and mockery. Oh, you're going down to that crazy person? Have you lost your mind? But desperate people went down to that wild-haired prophet. And when they got down there, listen carefully, there was no robe. There was no prayer book. There was no candle. There was no ceremony. Hey, 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 come Lord. We're, do, 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 do. We're about to baptize. There was none of that. There was this man with teeth pointing in every direction. A couple of locusts sticking out here. Honey dripping off of his beard. Matted hair. And he just stood there. Prepare the way of God. And if you went down to this man's river, the Jordan River... And you got dunked there. You know what happened? You know what you were saying? You were saying, number one, this formalism is not working for me. And I want reality. I want something that cuts me in my heart, does not entertain my flesh, but stirs me in the depths of my being. And there was such a man that God had appointed to, to, to bring conscience back to people. What's it all about? And when you got here to the river, do you know what he did to you? He dipped you and took you below the river. This is a symbol of humility, ladies and gentlemen. This is a symbol of being debased, being brought low, stooping. And you had to go hear a prophet and become a part of his ministry of water. And that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, entrance into the kingdom of God basically revolves around two things. You've got to be done with where you are and you've got to repent. Walk away from it so that I can fill you with my spirit. 
I can't fill you with my spirit if you're still living in yesterday's garbage, in yesterday's pomp and possess. I want to do a spirit work within you. But to get you ready for spirit work, you got to lay down yourself. Is everybody with me? Lay down your life. This is what the Jordan River represents. I've been there as we drive from Jerusalem. And I wish you guys would come with me. You would see there's a blue line that they uh, draw for you in the desert sand. It says, here's the sea level. Ah, and you're looking way down there. It's the Dead Sea in the Jordan. We're going there. You go below sea level. And then you see we're 100 meters below. We're 200 meters below. We're 300 meters below sea level. Then you get there to the lowest place on planet Earth. And there was the ministry of this man. And some of you want God to pour out His Spirit upon you, but you're not willing to walk away from where you're at. Because you're afraid of the prophet. You're afraid of repentance. And this man said, listen, you need to bear the fruit of the people of God. And God is about to put an axe to you. You know, the prophet, he spoke out. But the only person that can actually really burn down things of your life is Jesus the Christ. But you've got to be willing to walk away. And I meet people. They want the fullness of the kingdom. They want life in the kingdom. They want reality, but they cannot walk away from one thing. But no, play your games. Let's have some more ceremonies. Have some fun. And I remind you, Jesus said you cannot. And that's why many of us as Christians, we believe in the kingdom of God. It's not like we don't believe that Jesus is real or God or capable. But we all, you, you listen to Christians. You say, I can't enter in. Something's wrong. What more can I do? 99.99999% of the Lord's people that I meet are not crossed over. That they're still on this side of the Jordan. That they don't want to walk away, venture out. And so they cannot, and they try. They try every trick in the book to touch God, and they can't. And this is Nicodemus. Lord, talk to me a new teaching. And that's what most Christians want. Oh, give me another teaching. Oh, did you hear? Pastors. Oh. And that's kind of where we're at. And we're not in the kingdom. We're in teachings. Did you see that sign and wonder? We believe in it too. It happens here too. It is a wonder that I'm talking to you today. It's, hello, I'm a sign. But the Lord just bypasses all that. He said, really what you need is you need to go visit my cousin John a bit and humble yourself, submit to the ministry of water, and you'll be ready for the ministry of the Spirit. So again, what was John the ministry's ministry all about? Repentance. Cutting people to the heart. And the folk who went to him, they were done with life as they knew it. And they were curious. They were desperate. Hungry. 
And they came to the Baptist. I don't think there was some ceremony. I just think that man took him and was like, come here. That's how I baptize people. It's ugly. There's no robes. No, just, they came up out of that water like, what now? He's like, go. Another man will take it from here. I want to say to some of you, if you've not even been water baptized, it's a serious thing. But it's not a ceremony. It is not a ceremony. It is a thing to demonstrate saturation. It's demonstrating a death, a going low, a burial. And based upon this dying, this humility, the Spirit is right there to baptize and lift you up into the heavenlies. Unless you are born of water and spirit, you cannot enter in. Look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh stays flesh, remains flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Whoever you are born of, you carry that one's DNA. You carry that one's nature. If you're born from your mother and father, biologically speaking, you look a little bit like them. Maybe a little bit of the skin color, a little bit of the hair, a little bit of the eyes. Some of their mannerisms are in all of us. We're all a little bit of a reflection of our parents. As we say, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Why? Because flesh gives birth to flesh. Humanity gives birth to humanity. So yeah, I carry the DNA of my mom and dad in me to some extent. Jesus spins that around. He says, that which is of the Spirit likewise will carry the DNA of the Spirit. The dynamic of Almighty God, the, the, the nature, who God is, is going to be replicated in you when you're born from above. So can I ask you, as we're beginning to sort of wrap up this little session here, can I ask you, whose DNA do you predominantly manifest? Do you manifest the DNA of your culture? The DNA of your tradition? the DNA of just this world, this earth? Or can we really say that we're a people manifesting the DNA of heaven? This is Jesus' ministry, is to minister His nature to you, His kind, His dynamic, His person. But you will not touch His spiritual DNA if you're not born from Him. So this little story of being born again, for me, is paramount. It's not just about confessing even Jesus. Yes, we have to confess and we have to believe in our heart, but listen, are you really born of God? 
And do you have the evidence, the DNA, if I were to take a spiritual DNA test, which I can't, it's an imaginary analogy, but if we were to extrapolate spiritual DNA from you, would we look at all of that stuff, analyze it and say, yep, Yahweh, that's it. He comes from that strand, that eternal, divine, heavenly strand of being. If we were to analyze your spiritual life, which is what we do in our school, and we put that DNA out and sequence it, can, is there evidence to say that you are born of God or are you born of culture, born of just confession, regurgitating information, just like my parrot? Everybody in Legacy knows I have a parrot. He's yet to be seen. But my parrot all day long says, Jesus is Lord. Y'all need to come hear him. He says some other things too, but... But my parrot, even though he confesses Jesus is Lord, yet his nature has not been touched. He still stays, by and large, parrot. That which is born of parrot is? That which is born of spirit is? So, beloved, you cannot say, I believe and confess that coming Messiah and not have his DNA running through the core of your being. The question before the house, what ministry is Jesus having in your life today? Is he having, again, a impress you, try to persuade you ministry? Or is his ministry in your life the way it was in the first century? It's a ministry of pouring out spirit upon you. Pouring out spirit within you. So much so that you are of him. His DNA is in the core of my being. I look like flesh. But in essence, I have divinity in me. I am perfectly human right now, as you can see and hear. But deep within the core of my spirit, I am born of the heavens. So there is a divine element to me. No, I'm not God. That's not what we're saying. There's an eternal element in me. We call it even the eternal life. You all with me? The divine nature of God. Peter says, I've been uh, made a partaker of that. I've got God in me. And that's what Nicodemus wanted. Oh, he just didn't know the secret. So John baptizes people. And John is raw. And he is real with people. There, there's no pretense with John. He's the real deal. And he cuts people. He challenges people. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm so done. I repent. And he hands them over then to Jesus like, Lord, you take it from here. I just buried people. I can't resurrect people. And you see many of you, 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 you you're, you're dead. And you're looking for something to make you alive. Because we all really want resurrection. We all want immortality. That's why you're popping all those pills to stay young. We all want to stay young. Stay strong. Stay beautiful. We all want immortality. 
and you're looking for this man and that ministry and this conference and this book and this thought and this teaching. You're looking for anything to make you alive. And beloved, it cannot. Otherwise, it would have. The only person that can resurrect you from this grave site at the Jordan River is the man that overcame death himself and has the keys taken away from the bondage of death. The only one that can facilitate a resurrection in your life is Jesus the Christ. <laughs>